Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the show. It is July 12th, uh, which, according to whatever various website you choose to pursue, it is National Eat Your Jello Day, National Different Colored Eyes Day, National Pecan Pie Day, National Simplicity Day, Paper Bag Day, and Cow Appreciation Day. But more importantly, it is Podcast Tuesday. So welcome back to the show, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Today, a married couple Matt Hubbard and Emily Bergman join the show. With lots of laughs and answering questions in tandem, Emily and Matt share how their experience at Philmont, quote, laid the foundation for the rest of their lives together. The couple jokes that Matt imported his filfling as Emily followed him to Philmont after the couple had met in college. With a hodgepodge assortment of borrowed gear from friends and family, Emily's first summer as a ranger sparked something completely new within her. As a mountain trek Rayado ranger her second summer, she continued her passion for teaching youth to lead and truly experience the outdoors with empowerment and confidence. Matt discusses his seven-summer tenure through various lenses, including his role as backcountry manager and his intention to lead by injecting his authentic self into the role in order to make it better. He did this via the Philmont adopted fish philosophy of choose your attitude, play, make their day, and be there. Philmont was a stepping off point for Matt, teaching him how to go out into the world and do big things. Big things that the couple have accomplished together, including hiking the Pacific Crest Trail and serving in the Peace Corps. Emily shares how she developed a sense of community at Philmont that she had not experienced prior. She carried that notion of community with her in the Peace Corps and helped facilitate and run an outdoor camp for teen girls in rural Jamaica. Matt shares a poetic description of savoring the little rituals of backcountry life, such as prepping advisor's coffee as the sun sets and a hard day work is done. Today, Matt's thirst for direct service and servant leadership has led him to his current role as a student in PA school. Emily works for a nonprofit called Project Vets, healing the planet one animal at a time, while she also pursues her own entrepreneurial endeavors. From pancakes and classic rock denim vest fill fiestas and getting lost while hiking baldy, to backcountry disc golf and hiking with honey to pep people up, Emily and Matt are admittedly not always prepared, but they always approach bumps in the road with humility and humor. Lastly, we are midway through the 2022 Philmont summer season. So I thought it would be fun to note that one year ago today, Peter Bingen's episode aired on the podcast. And for those of you who don't know, Peter wrote the beloved song titled, I Don't Mind. So if you're feeling the ache and missing those magnetic pile of rocks, grab your headphones, tune out the rest of the world, step outside, and find some ground, lace up your boots, and start walking. Okay, y'all ready? Okay. (laughs) 
All right, you guys, I am here this evening with Matt Hubbard and Emily Bergman, and just really excited to talk to you guys about your Philmont story, of course, and then where it's taken you um, after the fact. You guys have been in the Peace Corps together. I believe you hiked the Pacific Crest Trail and what you guys are up to today. So if you guys want to introduce yourselves to the listeners, I'll let you take it away. Well, thanks so much for having us. I'm Emily. And I'm, I'm Matt. I worked at Philmont for seven summers from 2009 to 2015. Uh, I spent three summers as a program counselor at Dan Beard Miners Park in Miranda, and then two years as a camp director at Sealy Canyon in Head of Dean, and then two more years at the Backcountry Warehouse as a manager. And I was just there in 13 and 15 as a R1 uh, and a Mountain Trek Rail Ranger. Awesome. And you guys are now married today for how many years? Seven years this October. Yep. Okay. Yep. okay. So, so six seven, years. <laughs> six years as of now, seven years yeah. coming up. Congrats. Um, do you. you guys have a, a love story you want to share just off the bat? So we didn't actually meet at yeah. Philmont. Oh. Um, we met, we went to the University of Kansas mm-hmm. and we met at KU and we liked each other. Yeah. But then he was like, oh, by the way, I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. And he told me about Philmont mm-hmm. and it sounded really cool. So I applied and... Mm-hmm. Um, I got the ranger position, but again, I had never heard of it before. So I went home to my family and told them I was going to work at Philmont this summer. And my dad had actually been when he was a kid. Okay. <laughs> I just never heard of it. Yeah. yeah. So he was like, oh my gosh, I went, I know what that, that is. Um, so we then proceeded to, I'm from a little town in Kansas. So we drove into the city and we went to Cabela's and we bought me a big, cheap two person tent. Um, and I borrowed a backpack from Matt's family. Yep. (laughs) It was from a target, um, parking lot is where they bought it. One of those tent sales. And it was, I don't know what it was made of, but it wasn't ripstop and it wasn't light. And I borrowed Melissa. So Melissa was Carl's girlfriend at the time. Now wife, Carl is Matt's twin, um, Mm -hmm. sleeping bag. And, uh, one of my Lewisburg friends, that's where I grew up was Lewisburg, uh, also happened to be going. That summer, Paul Klein, and I hitched a ride with him and drove out and had no idea what to expect or what I was doing and had never worn a backpack or packed a pack or anything. So it was quite the quite the experience. I Yeah, I thought you guys just met at Philmont and kind of a traditional Phil fling situation, but it's even better. And uh, Matt, you are from Wisconsin, right? Yes, ma'am. I'm from Middleton, Wisconsin. Okay, so you guys met in college, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the so the joke is that he imports. Yeah, I, I don't have flings. Flings, I import my Ah, <laughs> <laughs> clever. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's keep rolling with this a little bit here. Emily, what did, what was your first summer like? It's So it sounds like this was your first time backpacking ever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you've gone on to do a lot of that. So it mm-hmm. must have uh, gotten into your blood. <laughs> yeah. So it was a huge uh, impact on my life and on our, our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, it really uh, sparked something in me that I had never experienced before. So I'd spent, you know, my summers in Kansas outside fishing and digging in the dirt, but it's Kansas, right? Like there's no mountains. Um, and I'd gone on vacation with my parents to Colorado, but like my dad and I were in the living room, you know, trying to figure out how to set up my tent. We weren't necessarily tent campers or anything like that. So my first summer was just wild. I think I had a little bit of a nervous breakdown. I remember that first night being in my tent all by myself. Leela Puckett was actually my tent mate. 
I don't think she was there. I think she was out with her friends or something or hadn't shown up yet. And I was just alone because Matt had all of his training and things like that. And it was just so scary. I don't, I, I was so nervous. And then didn't you say it? Someone was like commenting on like you and, and like being a helicopter. Oh yeah. So, um, I went to check in with, I think like Fran, uh, at the front desk to get our staff packets. And she talks about all these helicopter parents will come in with their 18 year old kid and they don't know how to get a job or do all that stuff. But I was a helicopter boyfriend who is like, she's just shooing me away. Like, let her do her thing. Go on. I have this. I'm like, okay. But I needed him. (laughs) (laughs) And she's right though. And, um, yeah. And I loved it. So in my training group, I was the only female, my RT, my ranger trainer was Helen Gent. And she also happened to be from Kansas going to, or lived in Lawrence as well, which was wild. So many Kansans. Um, But it was, it was a little tough. You know, I I went in older than most Philmont folks do. I was 21 years old my first summer. So it was really hard, you know, to be the learner constantly uh, and definitely a little frustrating at times. But um, yeah, like I said, it, it was an absolutely life-changing experience. And I loved it so, so much that my big, huge goal was to get really, really good at it so that I could come back and do Rayado. I had heard so many wonderful things about Rayado. I was so excited about it. Um, and I think I even might've, I either applied that first year or I was like, no, I'm not good enough. I can't apply because I wanted to be so, so good. So I, I, I did wilderness therapy and then came back after a year of like bow drilling and tarp camping. And I knew all the knots and everything and, you know, made mountain trek and my auto ranger. So that, it, again, it just, it really started the rest of our lives. It laid them mm-hmm. down the foundation. I love that you were so enriched by your first summer that you went on to like make yourself an expert of it. That's incredible. Good for you. <laughs> I, that's a really fun personality. And um, it, it seems like you guys are very goal driven as a couple. So let's see, Matt, that would have been 13 would have been your fifth summer on staff. Um, so what was it like, you know, yeah, to have Emily there and uh, the helicopterness, etc. <laughs> well, okay, I know this is Matt's question, but I have to jump in because okay. it was wild for me. I had, you know, this little new boyfriend because we met and we like talked for a while before we were boyfriend girlfriend and all of a sudden we go to film and he's like famous he has groupies following him around I had to like swim through girls to get to him it was just the most wild experience (laughs) to see him in that way yeah she's she's a little upset with me after the villa tour that all the camp directors lead and the ranger trainers um because I had a a pack and she was like I want I want to be in your group but like there's all these other people Uh, I'm sorry what what were we talking about I was just saying, Matt, what was that summer like for you in 2013? You know, having Emily there, being the CD of Head of Dean. Yeah, that would have been your fifth summer on staff. So where were you kind of at as far as your Philmont experience and then bringing Emily along with you? Head of Dean is a really, really fun camp. And uh, it was enriched by having Emily on property. I couldn't be a satellite or a helicopter boyfriend because I was stuck in the backcountry all the time. And so she got to just cruise around and become her own person, which I think was really good for both of us. As far as that season went, Hedadine is probably my top season. 2013 at Hedadine was wild. The staff was amazing. Um, we It was a nuts year. Um, that was a White Peak Fire Evac was that season. And I remember seeing you at camp once or twice. Um, but it was really good. I, I still consider 2013 to be my favorite season. I have a ton of friends that I still talk to out of that staff. 
between 2012 and 2013, they redid all the challenge course camps. And I think they might even redid part of like the Cope course over by the stockade. I think in Chris's episode, he mentions you being a big part of that. And he was impressed by your leadership that summer. So yeah, I was lucky enough to always end up being uh, Chris's test dummy camp director for revamp programs because he did search and rescue the year before that when I worked at Sealy. Like we moved into Fort Collins and Chris lived down the street from us. Like, <laughs> like we're still pretty tight with him now. So. And by the way, are you guys in Fort Collins today? Is that where you're coming from? or We're Grand Junction right now. Yep. I don't know. This is kind of dumb. Um, and Kaylin, I forget. what. Uh, which camp were you backcountry manager of? So I had like the South Country, like uh, Clear Creek, Crooked Fish, oh. that kind of loop. And then I also had the like Abreu, Rayado, Zastro. Okay. You had the Deep South. I had the, the Shallow South. South. Okay. And I had... Um, so I had Black Mountain. And the thing that like stood out to me, I don't know if other people realize this, but how much coal you hike into Black Mountain when you're the backcountry manager of Black Mountain. I, uh, <laughs> I ruined a Class A scout shirt by having it. Like one of the shoulders was just like black because every time you show up, you have to bring something down. You always have to bring coal down and they love you for it. But uh, good Lord, I think I messed up my spine. Probably. That's a joke. It's, it's fine. But... <laughs> You're so heavy. That's uh, uh, in one of those like duties as a sign that uh, you, you don't yeah. see coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, don't well, get me started on scattering Black Mountain either. Those canvas tents weigh so much. Did they have burrows to help scatter? Uh, we didn't. Okay. I don't think we did. We need a campaign. Bring burrows back to Black Mountain if it hasn't happened already. I think so too. <laughs> Good. Uh, Emily, what about you? Um, well, mine would be some of the ranger work days, just the thistle days or the trail to town. <laughs> and I just have so many memories of um, just taking a McLeod and gently patting it on the dirt because I don't I don't think any of us knew how to build trail most of those summers. And the, the rangers that were leading some of those ranger work days had no idea what they were doing. And so we would all just be gently patting the McLeod down. <laughs> That's, so that's probably why the trail to town didn't work that first summer. <laughs> I was building it. Is it still there? Has anyone been back in a while? I was there the, this September, but I, I really can't tell you if it was there or not. I mean, I'd guess so. I feel like like I follow I so. Dolly O'Neill on Facebook and she's always running. And in my head, she's like running on that trail. But I doubt that's where I don't know why, but that's what I picture. <laughs> she's just made it from running back and forth as yeah. opposed to our... <laughs> Yeah. 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 Once, once it got done, it, it was, it was it's a beautiful. great, it's a great idea. Gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. I'd let, I will say it's still there then we'll, we'll go with a yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the world I choose to believe in. Yeah. I like it. Me too. Emily, you worked in the ranger department for two summers, Matt, you mm-hmm. were all backcountry and then backcountry manager for several summers. What did you guys love about the departments you worked in? Maybe meaningful traditions or legacies that you got to be a part of or witness? I thought Phil Fiestas were a really unique thing that I didn't expect to happen. And you got like a special ordering thing from the commissary. Um, we had a lot of really fun Phil Fiestas over the years. Uh, my most memorable one was in 2011 when I worked at Miranda. We did a, um, people need to stop letting me just choose things because they're dumb. Um, but it was pancakes and classic rock. And we That's went not to, dumb. it was That's really like, fun. That's like two of my favorite things, like breakfast and good music. Exactly. Well, we picked, we were like, we want a lot of people here. How do we do that? We have to cook a lot of food. How do we cook a lot of food? We cook the cheapest food. What can we, millions of pancakes. 
and we went to uh, we went to Handicraft. I think we did this, or I dreamed it, but um, we went to Handicraft and we made those. Um, remember those few years that Mark was pushing denim vests? Yeah, yeah. and we made like classic rock vests, <laughs> and we all awesome. had classic rock vests, which <laughs> completely destroyed Interp at Miranda yeah. um, for that day. But it was really fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you did you remember some of the music that was played that evening or that day? There was like an ACDC vest for sure. Um, so I'm pretty sure we had some ACDC in the Miranda Meadow. Nice. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. Um, well, so and for me, I um, what stands out is the Ranger Marathon. So I really had, again, wanted to do it. It was that first summer and I kept hearing people that had finished it. And so this other guy in my Ranger training group and I, his name was Kevin, uh, drove with Matt. It was in the middle of the night. There was a storm. It was pouring down rain and he drops us off, you know, at the end of the road so we can hike up and touch it and hike back down. And it took us 23 and a half hours (laughs) because we both kept getting sick. And by the end of it, um, I remember he used to, or at the, at the very end of it, like Kevin would walk off to go pee and I would just like sit down to take a break. And when he came back, he'd have to wake me up. Cause I had like fallen asleep, just like sitting down. <laughs> so we were exhausted by the time we made it to the end, but we did make it. We were really, really determined with yeah. our 23 and a half hour hike. <laughs> and just I to mean, note that they did it. It's an extra cause they did the six up and then they yeah. did it. So really. In, oh. in a storm too, like our our shoe, our boots were covered in mud. <laughs> I can't believe you, I kept giving you out. So I'd be like, "You sure you want to do it today? Are you sure you want to do it today?" And she kept saying yes. And that she was did the it. time we had. You don't have a lot of time in the ranger department. That's true. <laughs> That's true. You got to be like committed and determined. I feel yeah. like they should make um like patches or something for like if you do the ranger marathon. Like you need some sort of like trophy award <laughs> at the end of that. <laughs> Again, like everyone was hiking Baldy all the time and I had really wanted to hike Baldy. And I think just, again, there's so many people just had the chance and it was my first summer and I was 21. So a lot of my friends were older and had been at Philmont for five seasons. And, um, I just had to do all of these things in my first summer. So I had this day where I was at head of Dean hanging out with Matt and was going to go hike Baldy. And so I took my, my water bottle and like, uh, I think it was just a water bottle. I think I had like a, just a, one of those little sacks where you tighten it and then the strings go over your back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have a backpack. And so I, I went out to go hike Baldy and I am notoriously bad with directions as a ranger that really worked out for me though, because I would just keep saying, well, it's, it's your job crew, you know, to find the trail. It's not my job. Um, I was great at teaching uh, maps and directions, not great at doing them myself. <laughs> so I got to the top of Baldy and I was having so much fun by myself and had my like Nalgene about half drank and I got completely lost. I don't know what I did. So I had to slide on my butt. I couldn't find the trail. So I was on my butt sliding down Baldy, like on this loose rock. I I wore a hole in the back of my pants and, and I like was- the Arbor wear shorts too. Like they yeah. were good pants. <laughs> so I was hiking just like- just straight, just trying to hike straight, hoping I would hit a trail. And you know, when you get lost, the whole world starts to close in on you and you feel like you can't breathe. It was that for like probably an hour or two. And I was so freaked out that everyone was going to have to come find me because again, like as an R1, that's like the greatest shame, you know, to bring (laughs) upon yourself and your department to be the lost ranger. So I just kept walking straight. I remember kind of climbing up this cliff and feeling flat up there and just rolling onto the trail. But 
it was it was an embarrassing story at the time. So she she came back to head of Dean that night and she was like shattered, covered I, in mud. I I just I worked all day and oh Emily's gonna have a fun day. She's gonna go hike Baldy. It's a magical film on experience. She's gonna build a better Baldy and she comes back just like a wreck. And I'm like, what happened? It's a mountain. Just walk to Baldy Town. You can see it. Just with my empty water bottle and my stupid <laughs> knapsack. I think that might be like one of the best baldy hike stories I've heard in a while. <laughs> I'm glad we, we're all I'm glad we're all laughing about it now. It's definitely type two fun at the time. Matt, just sort of candidly here, I wanted to ask you the backcountry manager position you did for two summers in 14 and 15. That position has been talked about on the show, um, both with, um, you know, lots of love and enthusiasm and then also different people who've held that job that, you know, f- found it to be pretty challenging. Uh, just curious your take on the role. Uh, yeah, I liked backcountry manager mo- mostly. I think it was a really fun way. I liked having leadership positions at Philmont because it meant that I got to kind of inject my Philmont philosophy into the people that I worked with. And I think I have a pretty fun one. Um, but what is it? It was, it's like fish, you know, uh, play, make their day, be there, choose your attitude. Um, but mostly yeah. just play around a lot and like finding that line between playing and responsibility was always one of my biggest challenges at Philmont. I, Carl still to this day says that like the biggest thing I couldn't do is I was never like professional enough, which I don't know, but uh, I did have a lot of fun and I think I worked with a lot of good people. So I really liked the opportunity of the backcountry manager job to get to kind of incorporate that into the camps I worked with and the PCs and the CDs I worked with. However, and I will say this, um, it's a lot, it's a lot of job. You can do it as long as you want. You could you could be out driving for 24 hours if you wanted. And there's a lot of days, because uh, Emily was there in 2015, where I would be out doing backcountry manager things. And I think, I don't know, I just, I wasn't around as much as I would have liked to, especially with someone who I was engaged to. Um, and we were, we were planning our wedding yeah. at like while I was on Ray Auto and Mountain Trek. Mm-hmm. So Matt was planning our wedding because you can't in the backcountry. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Well, and you had some hard years too, because 15 was the year of the flood. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really good way to describe the position. I did it for one summer. And uh, the part that resonates with with me, Matt, is how you said, you know, you really you could. Yeah, you could do it all day. You could be out there all night. You could be Jean Chanel, um, which none of of us could ever be. But um, I also Kevin Stickelman, I interviewed him a while back and he's now a full time employee at the ranch. And he said something that I I love. And he said, like, no matter what job you do or what hobby you pursue, you know, like make the job better, like improve it, you know, make it better, inject you into it. And um, I think you definitely did that, Matt, for for the people that you were helping lead there. So speaking of leadership and Philmont uh, being a leadership laboratory, do you guys have past supervisors or mentors that really grew you while while you were on staff? Um, so because I was there for such a short period of time, um, a lot of the folks that I really enjoyed being around and being close to were the folks that were like closest to me. So my ranger trainer, Helen, um, was so wonderful and so helpful, especially because again, like only female in my group had no idea what I was doing. I was also like the oldest one and just felt really weird. And she was so wonderful. Um, and then that first year as well, I applied to be a mountain trek ranger during LDS week. And Ranger Blaine (laughs) was my partner. And she and I just had 
the week of our lives. I think we made it so special for the girls. It was such a special week for us. And I think the week that I spent with her just really inspired me to come back and be a mountain trek ranger. Um, I think that was the reason that I wanted to come back so desperately is because I saw how fun she was and what a wonderful impact she was making on those girls and, you know, how you can lead with such, such confidence in a way that like also empowers your, your all female crew hiking through this predominantly male camp. Um, and it was just really cool. And she was awesome. Yeah. Also a big Ranger Blaine fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I was sick in 2010 with the, the norovirus, the plague, uh, that season, uh, her and Tyler Livermore went to Taos and bought me a Taylor Swift CD. <laughs> <laughs> and it was awesome. It's the little things. That's the that's, it good, is. that's real friendship there. That's a beautiful story. <laughs> yeah. Um, to answer that question as well, uh, some of the people that stood out were uh, Bruce Wagner, uncle. Uh, he was my camp director at Miranda, and he was the one that kind of like encouraged me to apply for being a camp director and like how to apply to being a camp director and actually become a camp director instead of, you know, you don't want to apply to Pony your first year. And he's like, you got to be tactical. You got to look for... Well, he didn't say it like that because that's not at all what Uncle sounds like. But, um, <laughs> you know, like where you could maximize your your opportunities and where you'd actually want to work. Uh, and he had a lot of frank conversations with me about that that I really appreciated. Chris yeah, Sawyer. Chris Sawyer was Sawyer. really important to me. Um, we worked closely together on that search and rescue program and the uh, challenge course. And then as a backcountry manager, obviously, you're right there with the associate directors of program. Um, and then uh, I... Head of Dean was a transformative year for me in 2013. And I think I probably had a pretty good conversation with every single BCM that came through my camp this that year, which was every camp uh, BCM because it's head of Dean and like you have to because it's on the way to Poblano and you're going to go watch the campfire. Do you guys want to talk at all about any major challenges that you guys encountered at Philmont um, and just kind of the takeaways from those? As much as 2013 was a transformative year, it was um, it was like the crucible by fire, you know, it was, it was transformative because it was so challenging. The White's Peak evac, we got four staff, three of them were from Zastro. There's another camp director in my camp. We did have that, um, advisor died in our camp in 2013, um, which was really, uh, that was really difficult. Um, yeah, that was definitely the most difficult thing that happened was how to, how to process through that with the crew on the night of and how to kind of work with the staff afterwards. I think that was, that was a big moment for all of us. And then, you know, um, three days after that happened, another advisor dies in a different camp, but I felt like we maybe had been making some progress and it just set us back a little bit as a camp and as head of Dean, but also as a larger camp, that was, that was a tough way to end the summer. Um, yeah, so I obviously was not at a level where I was dealing with anything like that. Thank, thank goodness. Um, re- you know, really hard and still impacts him, you know, to this day, having mm-hmm. experienced some of that stuff. That's some things that we still talk about this many years later. Um, but I think for me, one of the biggest things, you know, besides developing a love for hiking and the mountains and the outdoors, um, that Philmont did for me was it, um, developed this sense of community with me that I, I hadn't had before. Um, I think many rangers, um, or at least for myself, 
a lot of the summers, about two thirds of the way in, they get very lonely because you meet these crews and you bond with them and, you know, you love them for your three or four days that you're with them. And then you send them off and maybe never see them again. And it just gets exhausting. And I'm a huge extrovert and, um, I, I need my, my people around me, you know, I love to be around people. And even, um, we talk a lot too about how in the backcountry you're really able to bond with your staff. Um, there's a sense of family, but in the ranger department, you might not see your tent mate for weeks at a time, your schedules might be opposite. And so that's really challenging. And, and so I think the struggle was definitely the loneliness, but that sense of community where once you get lonely, you can just, you know, hike into the back country and kind of go from camp to camp and meet people consistently. And, um, everyone's a friend at Philmont is really what it felt like to me. And, and I think that's something that Matt and I have brought with us, um, through everything that we've done since Philmont. I mean, even including every time we moved to a new city, it's just really helped us. Um, yeah. And especially during COVID and when we just really needed community and didn't have community, I think Philmont really laid the groundwork to help us figure out how to, you know, not know a stranger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love how you put that. If you could go back for another summer or if you could create a job that doesn't exist, what would you want to do at Philmont? So I'm going to go first on this one because I, I had my dream job. Um, Mountain Trek Rail Ranger was the job I wanted and it was amazing. I got to work with female crews consistently and that's what I wanted. And I was so excited, but you know what? I didn't, I didn't write this down. We didn't talk about this. I, I had forgotten. So I'm a trained social worker and I actually remember thinking that Philmont needs a social worker and they need a female social worker um, or non-binary social worker or someone that is, um, you know, a little more friendly to more than just your typical white male boy scout. And that was something that I was really adamant about. I thought that would have been so cool to come back and do something like that mm -hmm. because we have the, the chaplains, the chaplains yeah. you know, going around doing the social work work. And I think there's a lot of value in what they, they did and do. Um, but I think to have a trained essentially communicator could have been really, really amazing. Yeah, exactly. We have, we have 10 chaplains more or less, I think. Mm -hmm. And, but they all come at it from this religious perspective and often from a male perspective. Mm -hmm. And that just leaves a lot of the camp without someone who can really empathize with where they are. All right. I'll be brief. Um, okay. Loved being in the backcountry, but my dream job, if I came back right now, I'd probably go try to be a ranger. Um, which I know is true because I did convince uh, the powers that be to let me be a ranger for one crew in 2015. And I took out a crew from the suburbs of Detroit and had a blast. No I did way. promise I would do a write-up for Mark afterwards that I never did. So, Mark, yeah. I am sorry. <laughs> You'll have I, I think he... He just kept seeing me take out crews. I think he was getting a little, a little jealous. <laughs> I was. <laughs> it's it's being a ranger is so it's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, that's incredible that you had that opportunity. I didn't know that. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, was adorable. <laughs> he was doing. He was. Just, they loved him. They loved him so much. Someone caught <laughs> onto it in logistics. So the cruise itinerary read like uh, ranger, and it was like the great Matt Hubbard. <laughs> 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 it was really weird that it was happening. Um, they were great. They were a wonderful crew. I hope some of them came back. I love it. Those are really fun answers. I want to hop back, Emily, and ask you a little bit more about your job working as a ranger and then a mountain trek Rayado ranger. Um, specifically, several time you've, times you've mentioned um, your passion for working with women and, and young girls. And I believe when you then went on to work in the Peace Corps, you continue to work with young girls at a camp. So I'd just love to hear about sort of 
yeah, that what that looks like, that confluence of of uh, those two paths joining up and, oh and what that means to you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then even between those two years back um, working as a field instructor at a wilderness therapy program in Georgia, um, it was just so wonderful to get to work with uh, teenagers and young women. Of course, I also worked with different boy groups um, experiencing kind of the wild for the first time. And, um, uh, you know, the Cheryl Strayed books were so pop or the book, the one book was so popular back then. So we were always the Burley Mountain women, the BMWs, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, brought that with me everywhere I went. We had kind of a lull where we went back to Kansas and I worked mm-hmm. in child protection. And again, that was just so, so challenging and, it's such a female dominant like field and the folks that are being affected are typically female. And, um, and so, yeah, that's just been a common theme. And then we were able to uh, be in the Peace Corps mm-hmm. and I worked um, at a, a rural school in Jamaica. It was an absolutely amazing experience and got to do some gender equity clubs. We did like a lock-in with um, grade five and six grades. Yeah. Five and six yeah. girls. And that was, we just, you know, essentially had a dance party all night long. And again, (laughs) so fun to just be wild with the girls to let the wild out. Mm -hmm. And also wrote a grant and we were able to do a countrywide um, camp for teenagers. So girls that were a little bit older and we had all Jamaican camp counselors and all Jamaican speakers and activities. um, And that was just really, really cool too, for, you know, um, everyone to come in and, and bring their own uh, backgrounds and activities and really uplift each other. And we just did a lot of just really cool, like hair care and like a lot of jokes and a lot of dancing and a lot of um, storytelling. And it, it was just so much fun. A lot of girls were sleeping out in a tent, um, you know, for the first time. And it's just, I, I love that piece of it. I love being there and making uh, girls experiences in the outdoors exciting and and really, really fun for the very first time, because it doesn't have to be this big um, you know how Rayado is kind of like, it's supposed to be tough and hard and challenging and you're supposed to grow from that, but that's not what the outdoors has to be. It can really just be, uh, you know, a time to, to hang out around a fire with your friends and roast s'mores. And, and that's what I like to make it typically with people whose first time it is. It can really be like an exhale from like day-to-day life and the more like meditative qualities of nature and, and those experiences too. So yeah, I just think that's really beautiful that that's something you're passionate about, something you're obviously a professional and very good at. And I can just tell the way you talk about it, that it it's something that, you know, brings you a lot of joy and a lot of other people joy. So I'm glad you're out there doing that work. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And I also like if you do stop through Iowa ever, we're, we're totally having a dance party because I dance all the time. <laughs> like, all the time. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so definitely same page. Um, Matt, do you want to chat at all about your experiences going forward from Philmont and um, how your time at Philmont impacted the Peace Corps and whatever else you've been doing since then? Absolutely. Um, Philmont was like a stepping off point. It kind of taught me how to um, just go out there and do things. Um, Cause I big things go do big things. Yeah. yeah. Big things. Um, <laughs> But so I grew up in Wisconsin. I hadn't left much until I went to Philmont. was my first time really doing something super away from home because I only went to college an hour from where I grew up. Um, and just that, like how to make friends, how to be into a space and explore things. Um, I think I think there's no way that I would have joined the Peace Corps without Philmont because uh, it just it meant I could move away from home and it would it would be okay. 
um, the PCT, I definitely wouldn't have done that because I, I wasn't huge into hiking before that. No. I, yeah. I don't really have a big Boy Scout background. I didn't, so. He didn't know how to help me pack my pack that first night. <laughs> no, but I, I thought I did. He did. And then he packed it. <laughs> Very badly. <laughs> That's fair. Fair enough. It was hilarious when these advisors would come like, yeah, I've got this wear spot. Can you help me with your pack? And be like, I would, I would try, but man, I probably hurt some people. <laughs> I'm not good at it. Well, you know, we do, we talk about it like this domino effect almost. So again, like the domino effect of Philmont led to, um, wilderness therapy for me mm-hmm. because Brian Delaney yeah. was, um, my boss's boss, boss's boss's boss at, <laughs> yeah. at second nature. And so we both, you know, moved to Georgia when he was mm-hmm. done with his 14 summer. And then of course I wanted to go back, uh, in 15 and, mm-hmm do Ray Auto. And from there, again, we, we sat in Kansas for like a year and a half and we had done Philmont and I had done wilderness therapy and we were like, there's gotta be, you know, a little bit more. We both had yeah. jobs that were great. Right. <laughs> but, but really challenging. <laughs> I think, I think Philmont set us up for knowing uh, what we wanted to get out of a job and out of an experience. And so once we left Philmont, we went and got married and did the Overland Park thing and Overland Park's fine, but um, adventure does not, so we knew we needed more. So then we signed up for the Pacific Crest Trail. And like uh-huh. a week after we decided to do that, we also started the process of, of getting of into the Peace, the Peace Corps. Corps. Yeah. So. so then as we were hiking the trail, we were getting medically cleared for the Peace Corps. So every mm-hmm. time we would hit, hitch a ride <laughs> off the trail, we had to like find a little location to send emails and yeah. dental records and get shots. And it was really, really hard. I remember just slamming in. I had a, I had three days left of insurance uh, uh-huh. from my job before we left for the PCT. So I had to do like all eight of my medical appointments <laughs> and I had to do all of that because even though they hadn't requested it yet, it had uh-huh. to cover it, whatever was coming. Cause I was going to be in California for three months. So, well, and then the, and then the PCT was fascinating because it was so similar to, Philmont in that, you know, you're hiking and you're hiking with your trail family and you're almost hiking from house to house and strangers are giving you rides and passing you, you know, money and treats and wishing you well. And then of course we joined the Peace Corps and really similar, we would pop Mm -hmm. on country buses and we'd go see our friends, you know, almost every every weekend. Hope hope our country director's not (laughs) listening to that. A month. What's a month? For 72 hours. And then, and then COVID hit. So we were two years into the Peace Corps. COVID hit. And we were evacuated from the Peace Corps because of COVID six weeks early before <laughs> our service was done. And from there, we were, again, uh, we were evacuated to Wisconsin, but we knew we had to be in Colorado. So mm-hmm. we didn't have our American SIM cards yet in our phones because we were fresh off the plane. <laughs> and like even that, we hopped in the car to start driving. How long is that drive from Wisconsin to Colorado? About 16 hours. 16 hours. Months. And like two hours into it, the car breaks down and we have nothing. It's like <laughs> it's like six o'clock in the morning. It's like freezing cold. Yeah. It's in Wisconsin. We're on a highway. And so we're just like, okay. You know, and again, Philmont prepares you for that. Okay. So we both get out of the car. We start walking, stick our thumbs out. And finally someone stops and let us borrow their cell yeah. phone. Yeah, no one's willing to let you hitch at the beginning of COVID. At the they beginning might of COVID, yeah. Use cell phone. <laughs> and so then uh, we finally made it to Colorado. <laughs> yep. Do you want to tell this part? <laughs> yeah, so we got we got to Colorado because it was a weird time. It was the start of COVID. We didn't start know what was of COVID. We thought maybe you know stuff was already shut down. Yeah, we had no idea. Could you cross state borders? Who knows? Yeah. Um, but Emily was into grad school, so we yeah. knew we had to come before Collins eventually. Yeah. So we just decided to do it early, but we didn't really have a place to stay because we got separated from the Peace Corps unexpectedly. 
we didn't have like rent set up or anything like that. So we rented an Airbnb for a week and we're like, we will find a place to live during this week. And then it came the end of the week and we were ready to move in the next day and they pulled the rug out. Someone's like, no, I don't want them to live here. We don't know their COVID history. So like that night we had to find somewhere to stay for another week. So we're getting those texts all night long, shelter in place, shelter in place. And we're just in this Airbnb and we'd already messaged the lady. She wasn't (laughs) going to keep renting it to us. And we're just like shaking, like clinging to (laughs) each other. Campsites are shut down. Like we're not set up to go camping. It's freezing cold. And we were, again, Told to shelter in place and we ignored it. So, so Emily reached out to someone through Craigslist, right? Well, yeah, because we were going to live with her, but then that fell through. So yeah. we messaged her again. Yeah, and she let us house sit for a week. So this okay. random mountain biking chick. Yeah. Uh, she just went mountain biking for a week while we stayed in her house for free, and then mm. we found housing and all was well. But I mean, again, back to like that sense of community—you don't mm. know a stranger. Like it's worked out for us beautifully every time, and. We moved to Fort Collins. We had no idea because it was COVID. Chris Sawyer lived there. Uh, Stephen Alexander yeah. lived there. Jesse, Jesse Kaufman. Yeah. Like we had a whole community mm-hmm. already there for us. And it's just this tiny little town in Colorado. So just so cool. Nathan's there now. Na- yeah, Nathan yeah. Glover. You guys did a really good job of portraying how that was rocky, obviously, and definitely highs and lows. But like you said, uh, Philmont prepares you for that like okay, <laughs> that like, all right, what what are we going to do here? And just kind of mm-hmm. um, thinking outside of the box and making it happen. Do you guys have any wild hitchhiking stories just for fun? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Well, there's definitely... There's like definitely uncomfortable hitchhikes, yeah. but it's a lot of delightful people, a lot of jokes about murdering. Like, I don't recommend it <laughs> yeah. to our listeners. <laughs> I don't know. I'll tell, I'll tell the, this is the sketchiest one we did. And tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. The North Kennedy Meadows one. Mommy's going to listen to this. I don't want to scare I want to smoke. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so we get off the trail. We wanted to go into North Kennedy Meadows. Um, we didn't even really need food, but they sold cheeseburgers there. And we had crossed a road, which is rare. So uh, we hitched, uh, we were probably there for like 45 minutes to an hour, which is a little long for us because it wasn't a very busy road. And this guy picks us up in his truck and we get in with him and he, we're driving out this like super windy uh, mountain road mm-hmm. and he decides he wants to smoke some pot. And uh, so he packs a bowl. <laughs> he's driving with his and knee. He, yeah. And he, and he, so he's light, he's lighting up his, his. Driving with his knee, going double the speed limit yeah, down these windy with roads. While he's smoking pot and we're like, <laughs> what? Why did we get in this car? <laughs> It was, that was scary. Yeah, I think we got off pretty quick after that. Well, no, we, yeah, we should have. We did go all the way to North Kennedy Meadows with him. And the cheeseburger was just okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad you survived the, the pot and the cheeseburger. The wine <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I just think it's fun because I, I, I'm assuming that not many of the listeners have ever hitchhiked. Um, but it does sound kind of, you know mysterious and romantic so thanks for sharing sharing <laughs> until, that until you die i'm glad it sounds that way it doesn't feel that way yeah. <laughs> you know, we have a really bad habit of, oh, of getting ourselves into these situations uh, we bite off more than we can chew yeah. and do a lot of like just at you least, know even like in, at the river and stuff like yeah. not <laughs> not having a takeout car <laughs> at least you guys are doing it together you know right i mean yeah that's true yeah, yeah.
hopping off of the hitchhiking story um, <laughs> and, and that you guys don't necessarily recommend it. Do you guys recommend the Peace Corps and working and, and doing that experience? And what would you say to listeners who might be interested? Um, so the Peace Corps is so hard. It is so challenging, um, but it's life changing. And again, just like Philmont informed everything since I think the Peace Corps is also going to inform everything since uh, both of us did career changes because of the Peace Corps. Yep. So absolutely, you know, do look into it, do your research, go to a country that you're interested in going to. Um, but it was, it was so challenging. <laughs> It's different by the country, it's different by the sector, and it's different by the person. So do a bunch of research. I would absolutely recommend the Peace Corps to someone who has done their resource. Um, but if you go in there thinking that you're going to be a white savior and that you're going to mm -hmm. change these people's lives or that they have nothing, mm -hmm. save your time. Mm -hmm. Stay home. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Don't afflict yourself on them because you're not going to help anybody. What do you guys miss most about Philmont? I miss, I miss those little, like... The memories feel warm to me, but the little like small moments between planned activities at Hedda Dean, we didn't have an evening program formally, um, but usually there was a little bit of space between the last crew of uh, challenge course and the beginning of advisors coffee. And I love like the little ritual of like putting the new coffee on top of the old coffee and like turning the little triangle scrubby around and like warming it up, setting out the, the sandwich cookies just right. And like getting ready for that, like kind of nice moment. The sun's setting. It's the head of Dean Porch. You can see the mountains of Colorado. I love the the little soft, quiet moments where you can sort of hear like the noises of camp in the background, but you don't actually have to do anything right now. Oh, Matt, that was beautiful. <laughs> Stop. That was beautiful. <laughs> tears are all in all of our. I see your tears. Cut out. <laughs> Thank you. That was a really, really good description. I was thinking to myself, like as you were describing that, how much I loved Advisors Coffee in the backcountry. I know sometimes it got old for some people, but I always loved meeting those those adults on the trail and talking to them and kind of hearing their story. So, um, yeah, thanks for uh, shout out to Advisors Coffee and that time of day at camp. Emily, you, you can go ahead. Oh, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but uh, again, um, that that sense of community, I really, really just loved, I mean, Tent City even. I loved having my friends around me and you go and you kind of tap on someone's tent and they're like, come on, you know, come in. And then you sit down and you just have the time of your life or like your uh, rangers are, you know, planning, okay, we'll meet up. You take your crew, I'll take mine, and you show you know the crew the time of their lives, and you feel so good about it. You have your talk, and then you meet up with that person and that you made plans with, and you go to Taos, and you go to the hot springs. You know, just that sense of like excitement and every day being different and doing it with friends. I actually just told Jimmy today on the phone, like, I know you're <laughs> sick of me hearing hearing me say this, but like, I'm dreaming about community today, and he was like, Oh my yes. gosh. So I, you, well, come you, on, come on out to Colorado. I know <laughs> we, ac <laughs> we actually lived in Fort Collins for a while, like way back in like 2012. So we need to get back out there. Um, you know it well then. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, it'd be great. That'd be so great. But yes, community, you can't say it enough. I absolutely agree with you. You guys both mentioned the Peace Corps influenced you to do career changes. So just kind of wondering what you guys are up to today as far as your careers or your, um, your current trajectory. Yeah. So um, after the Peace Corps, I went to school at CSU and I graduated. Um, I got my master's of business administration uh, with a specialization in social entrepreneurship and humanitarian aid 
logistics and cool. was able to do um, some research at our American Mexican border with my um, other like co-founders with um, aid organizations and just, you know, kind of the, the supply chain and how it works and like the logistics of how they distribute it, how they store their aid, how they organize their aid. Um, and that was really, really cool. And so right now we are working on a little startup, um, still trying to figure out funding and how to build a business, which is really challenging, but we're having a really great time. One of my business partners is Albanian from Kosovo. Um, and so we have, she's since moved back to Kosovo, but we're also working on some side projects um, with folks in the Balkans that want to be entrepreneurs themselves. Um, and currently I'm working for a nonprofit um, called Project Vets, Veterinary Equipment, um, Technology and Supplies. And we are healing the planet one animal at a time. And it's a really cool organization. We are saving all of this usable equipment, you know, four to six tons a year from going to waste. And we're distributing them to our animal welfare partners um, in 38 different countries. So it's just the coolest uh, initiatives that you can have. Uh, it's helping animals, it's helping people, it's helping veterinarians. And, um, if, you know, anyone out there is really looking for an eco animal welfare nonprofit to donate to project vets is, is really, really great. And they're doing amazing things right now. Yeah. Thank you so much, Matt. What are you up to? I am in the doldrums of physician assistant school. Um, while I was in the Peace Corps, I had a good friend uh, who died, and I just, I needed, and this started at Philmont too, is that that kind of like thirst for direct service or the the servant leadership thing. And you, you, what'd you call it earlier? Uh, leadership, leadership laboratory. Yeah, the leadership laboratory. <laughs> yeah. And like how meaningful it feels to have a direct impact on the people's lives and make it better. And I didn't feel that way after when I lived in Overland Park and then I did a bunch of things to improve it. So I decided I wanted to go to physician assistant school. We got back from the Peace Corps and I immediately went to CNA school. Yeah. So he was, he was one of those guys that was a CNA at a nursing home during the height of COVID. So that was wow. hard. <laughs> Important work, but I would not recommend it for a good time. Yeah. It, was a, it was a real bummer. And then he was an EMT and mm -hmm. he just went right to work and got into PA school in a year and a half. And yep. Now here I am. Just finished his midterms in his first semester and All right. uh, got two A's. Oh, All right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, don't know. I don't know why I said like that was a surprise to me. I'm the one that got them. Yeah, uh, this is the reveal. I did? Your midterms. Thank you. You've been talking yeah. to Dr. Millward. He's been working really hard. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm still, I'm staying afloat, but dang, it's rough. But hopefully I'll graduate in a couple of years and then I'll be a practicing PA. It's just really awesome to hear like, I know it's not always easy, but it's it's good to be intentional with what we're doing with our days and our time here and, you know, our individual lives. And um, I think it's it's great to hear you guys talk about going from career to career or supporting different organizations or being an entrepreneurial um, and just kind of following your passion, you know, but also being like hardworking and being business focused about it because you can dream, but you'd also got to put boots on the ground. And it sounds like you guys are doing that. So. Well, and, and right back at you, we listened to your uh, album quite a bit yesterday. Yeah. That was really fun. We're a big fan. I, we listened to it so much that it would not let us do it. Oh yeah. It, it kicked us off. It, so. <laughs> so we got to buy it. I guess. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, thank you guys. It was a lot yeah. of fun. We just like to be creative. And I'm definitely one of those people that's always like, all right, what's my next dream and how do I make it happen and how do I involve other people? And so, um, yeah, that makes me smile. Thank you guys. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, us too. And it was amazing to then also listen to that little podcast um, of With Dylan and Jimmy, the, the special episode. Yeah. <laughs> so then we had to go back and listen to the album again after hearing how it was made. <laughs> Yeah, it was a it was an adventure. It was a lot of fun. I can't wait to do more of that and um, with people. So we should all make some music together soon. Emily, do you play any instruments or sing or either? We have I both mean- tried so hard. We're still trying. I'm still trying. I'm trying to teach myself guitar. It's been hard. <laughs> it'll it'll happen. I took yeah. a banjo to the Peace Corps for two years. And I don't think I played it one time. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, but just don't. <laughs> You could just listen to other people play. It's all good. (laughs) Sort of as we wrap up here, is there any story or memory that you definitely want to share from your time at Philmont uh, before we jump to nominations? Um, There was just one crew that I uh, still think about here and there because um, it was one of my very few crews that I was able to take out my mountain trek reato year. And that that's very special. Uh, if you're a mountain trek rail ranger, you only have a few crews you get to take out. So you're like, I am going to show them the time of their lives. And, <laughs> and, um, so I packed my bag full of essentially goodies for the crew and I hiked out a watermelon and just other various things. So we finally, you know, we set up camp for the day. Um, after, and I have everything down, you know, I have my deck of cards that I give to them. I have like my little flashcard. I'm quizzing them on all of this and that and the other. Um, and then we sit down and I whip out my watermelon and <laughs> then we like cut it and we split it. And then in the morning, the advisors wake up to the smell of coffee. Cause what? Emily's hiked out a glass coffee press and it's co- <laughs> like high quality coffee. And I have like these little treats. Um, I used to hike with a bottle of honey so that when people got grumpy, I'd, I'd have them all line up with their mouths open and sweeten them up. I would squirt the honey in their mouths <laughs> down the line. <laughs> um, so that that was just one of the most fun times I had because I felt like Santa <laughs> for a yeah. few days. And that, that poor cry spoiled them so much. The the rest of Philmont I hope was <laughs> I hope was just as amazing. You know, I hope they kept getting tre- treats and things like that. So <laughs> picture them like down the road, they come up to a camp, they're like, hey, we're grumpy. Where's your honey? And they just line up on the porch and like <laughs> Completely freak out the staff. I think I brought like books out to read to them. (laughs) So much fun. Oh my gosh. I love that. I kind of want you to like be my mom now or something. (laughs) I didn't have any gear for myself. So I was really, I was nervous weather was going to happen, but we got lucky. So I I didn't have any bad weather. (laughs) You're not at the 10 essentials. (laughs) Matt, what about you? Sealy Canyon. I feel like I haven't given it enough love because I love Sealy Canyon. It's a search and rescue canyon, a.k.a. it is a sarcasm. But um, that, that <laughs> joke, great joke never hit well. I've told that joke so many times and no one likes it. Um, but we got really bored out there. We bought, um, we went into thrift on our cow stay at the beginning of the season. And we all got, maybe it wasn't during the season. It might have been mid-season, but we all got suit coats. And we would, uh, we made a disc golf course. Um, it was after that big windy year. So we had a ton of dead trees and we just wrapped each tree in like some flagging tape. We had a nine hole disc golf course that we played so many times, um, like 45, 50 rounds of disc golf up at Sealy Canyon. So nice. Um, that's a top memory. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Sealy Canyon is a great camp. Don't sleep on Sealy Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. It's slogan. Oh. I love it. 
You know what? Okay, sorry. This one's funny too. And okay. um, Chris knows about it now, so he can't be mad at me. Um, <laughs> you remember they used to give star bikes out to the the Valle camps? Yeah. So we oh, had yeah. a star bike, and uh, obviously we have a ton of arroyos around um, up in Sealy Canyon. And I was getting really annoyed because we would ride it up and down um, the arroyos like a half pipe, uh, which you know Sean was good at it. That's probably why he became the CD Whiteman Vega. I was not good at it, and um, one day I got really annoyed that the brakes kept squeaking, so I oiled them. Um, and if you can see where this is going, that's great. But I smashed into a log at the bottom <laughs> of the arroyo so hard because the brakes didn't work, and I couldn't figure out why. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> I told you about this, Chris, so if you're mad at me, that's because um, you forgot. <laughs> Those are great memories. I'm really glad I asked that question. I was over it. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, wrapping up here, do you have anyone you would like to nominate to be on the show? Uh, well, Carl Hubbard, Matt Twin, and Melissa. Um, and if you can track down Ranger Blaine, uh, she did a lot of traveling after Philmont as well, so she'd be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think uh, Brian Delaney and Emily McGee would both be very interesting people to talk to. Do you guys have a, a piece of Philmont or New Mexico memorabilia that you keep near and dear to your heart? Uh, yeah. So Matt's dad worked in maintenance maintenance for a few weeks, a couple of summers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made us a little sign that he gave us for our wedding. It says Emily and Matt, and it looks like a trail sign. And mm-hmm. we've hung it above every door that we've had. And it's one of our favorite gifts mm-hmm. that we've ever got. We were just so thrilled to get it. It's mm-hmm. really special to us. Yeah. yeah. I love, I love that. that I have yeah. a little, uh, I have a little tchotchke basin. Um, it's got the Philmont Grace inside of it that Chris Sawyer gave me. I think it might have been for a wedding. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Having like a Philmont sign, a Philmont Trail sign with like your name on it or, or something on it, I feel like is a very like special kind of coveted thing, and you have to like know someone to get one of those made or done. So good job, you guys. You got you're in that club. <laughs> <laughs> we got a name. Your dad. Yeah. <laughs> um okay what is your 11th essential if you have one? Oh no we talked about we said, this we said we we're gonna work on this and then we never thought of one <laughs> because because we never have anything with us we need the 10 essentials before we can bring the 11th yeah, one we have like six essentials. i can't tell you how many times we've been caught out with a flashlight or a headlamp yeah. so okay so here's here's what we actually agreed on when we talked about this last night um we want a little pocket like planner like little your calendar planner because we always were unprepared. We start a 13 mile hike at 4 p.m. I'm not going to finish that hike during the daylight hours. We're always caught in the rain. <laughs> we're too confident. We need to chill. We need to be more more humble with our hiking. Humble pride, right? Hasn't got us yet. I like it. I kind of like that you guys like. I don't know. Flipped that question around. That was fun. <laughs> Matt and Emily, thank you guys so much for spending the last hour with me this evening. It's been really fun to get you, get to know you guys better. Um, and I just wish you all the best in your journeys, you know, going forward. Please knock on my door if you're in Iowa. Maybe I'll move to Fort Collins. Yeah, this has just been really fun. So thank you guys for your time this evening. Thank you so much for having us. We'd love to have you out here and <laughs> we'll let you know if we drive through. For sure. Right. Absolute pleasure. Mm-hmm.